1: You
0: can hear us live on Joy 94.9 Saturday afternoon from noon via the live stream at joy.org.au forward slash listen live. Or tune your wireless in Melbourne
2: to 94.9 FM. One, two, three, four.
0: it, use it, break it, fix it, trash it, change it, nail it, read it, change it, point it, to me. press it, snap it, work it, cook it, release it, write it, cut it, paste it, save it, load it, check it, cook it, write it, plug it, play it, burn it, scroll name read it Good afternoon. Welcome to TechnoGaze, the show where we gaze into the world of consumer electronics, gadgets and technology. My name is Mark and with me in the studio as always as a little team that we are. Aww. <laughs> what are we the, the, the threesome? <laughs> no, we we, come up, the today. The we come up with the dirty three.
2: <laughs> should come up with a better name there. <laughs> <It, laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, let's let's brainstorm the uh, the group name later on, we? <laughs> and if anybody has got an idea for a group name, why don't you sort of let us know? That's a good idea. Send us an email on air at joy.org.au. Yes. Give us a call on 1300 JOY 949 and Mushin <laughs> will uh, take your message or just SMS 0427 JOY 949. Or you, you can could
1: tweet us. You can do all those things. Well, maybe not the tweets, but you can do all those things in the app, which is really cool, and listen to us at the same time. Mm-hmm. A bit of multitasker.
0: Those two voices are Michael as well. That's me. And Rainer as well. Hello. Welcome to Saturday. It's actually, um, after a pretty dreary week... In terms of weather, you know, we shouldn't always talk about the weather, but why not?
1: It's Melbourne. We it's that's <laughs> that's like the national pastime. <laughs> that and footy.
0: And and I saw the sun out earlier, but I'm now looking out the window, and it's all looking a bit grey. So good
1: least, good plan we, to stay indoors with your technical gadgets and that's right. Play with your iPhones and Samsungs and whatevers. Whatevers. Whatevers.
0: <laughs> On today's show. Um, now, you might have heard about a thing called heart bleed in the mainstream media. And that's not my love life. Well, it is mine. Um, we'll um, kick off with what it is and uh, how it affects you and some advice on what you need to do to avoid it, to, to try and um, resolve any issues that might have come from it.
1: It's pretty big. It's such a big deal.
0: It is. Um, now, a couple of Apple rumors have surfaced over the past couple of weeks, So, we thought we'd spend a bit of time bringing you up to date on that. Mozilla has hit the headlines as well, Mm. with the recently promoted CEO having been outed as a Prop 8 supporter. He has since resigned, um, so we thought we'd have a go at the issues surrounding the guy and uh, what this uh, might mean from a company who defines itself as, as being open. Now, later in the show, of course, we've got um, some Microsoft stuff as well, so um, they've updated Windows 8. And some. Um, with hopefully,
1: some hopefully, a few other people have.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or at least a seven. Oh, yes. Away from XP. Yes. We, we talked about this last week, didn't we? XP mm-hmm. is, is end of life, and so the support for that and um, bug fixes and, and security fixes are a, a thing there. But yeah. so later on in the show, we, we are going to specifically talk about Windows 8 and some of the features, including um, bringing it back into the desktop world again. So they're trying to fix the problems of using it on the desktop. Because um, a lot of people are complaining about that, um, but we're, there's also some new features, right? So there's um,
1: there's loads of stuff to talk about, especially in these updates. So, mm. Yeah,
0: but yeah, on the topic of Windows XP, mm. we're going to bring this home a little bit. Now, you might have heard if you've been listening to the, the uh, to Joy this morning, uh, we are we've kicked off a, a tech drive. Um, For 2014. Now, the Tech Drive is in order for us to obtain. We we need we need funds. Basically, we need money to keep us um keep us going from a technical point of view. That's right. Um, you look around the the station here, and a lot of our machines have been upgraded to Windows 7. That's right. Um, We we just happen to use that particular operating system here. Um. But there are still some machines that are on Windows XP, and the reason for that is they literally don't have the capacity to to yeah. be updated.
1: And let's be real, without funds, we can't afford to replace those computers.
0: That's right. So we're we're asking you to uh, to to donate to um, to give us money to um, to to Basically, be able to give us uh, to upgrade. Machines, but to also do other things around te- technology as well here. So, mm. there's and other, we, we other actually, did things. this
1: a couple of years ago, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah, um, um,
0: I think that the 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 outcome of that was we got an excellent new production studio. We sure um, did, which creates great audio here at Joy. It's um, one of the smaller studios here, but it's some um, perfect for producing all the all the little um, sponsorship announcements and and uh, community service announcements. Um, so that's. A tangible thing that we've achieved because of the funding that we get from you. So if you would like to give us some money, you can do so by getting on, jumping online, um, I believe. To, there's a tech drive banner upon on the website, joy.org.au. You can also call 1300 JOY 949.
2: And the good thing is that every donation above $2 is tax deductible.
0: Yes. Hooray! Perfect time of year if you're looking to reduce your taxable income. Uh, I often find that... Uh, donating at this time of year makes my accountant happy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's because he's got some good news for you, for a change. Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, so do do um, consider opening up your your wallets and, and giving us some money because we do uh, we need. Let's not the, vanish it. Uh, <laughs> Please just uh, look. Yep. I'm 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 not about. No, that's
1: know,
0: right. <laughs> sugarcoating anything. We we're a community organisation. We we run on the smell of. An oily, oily rag, I think, is the uh, top. The
1: and we don't run on air, as the saying goes that's, around here.
0: That's the one I was trying <laughs> to look for. Thank you very much. We don't run on air. We, we don't run on air. air
1: that smells like oil or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> we don't. We've had a couple of. Uh, well, we've had a suggestion for. Uh, we've had a rude suggestion. <laughs> we
2: won't read out the first one. But I do like Pete's from Flemington's suggestion. Yes. Hello, Pete. Thank you for your suggestion.
1: I <laughs> don't. Actually, is it? he's put in two suge- He said, hello, techno gazers. Well, that's a good Which is start. a good name itself. Mm. You could call yourselves the Tribites, maybe.
0: The Tribites. Mm. Well, that's two
1: good suggestions right there. Technogazers is the obvious one. But it's pretty good.
0: So often the word "bite" is used in a in a way to to you know describe a technology thing. So why not be
2: called the Tribites. It's it's a great mm-hmm. connection. Or the three bits. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we could if there were seven of us, we could be a bit short of a bite. <laughs>
0: Not us, not at all, on a Saturday morning. That's <laughs>
2: As we stand, we're five bits short of a bite.
0: <laughs> now, shall we get on with the, um, the news of the day now? Heartbleed is pretty damn massive. Um,
2: excuse the French, but... Um, so what, is, what is heartbleed exactly for those people that don't know?
1: Well... Um so SSL, oh, let, me, let me try and explain this um, without umming and ahhing like I did the other day when we talked about this. Um, okay, so in, in SSL, when you connect to... Um, so SSL, sorry, to go back even further. You know when you, like, you go to your internet banking or whatever and you've got your nice little gold padlock and it says HTPS at the start of the URL and all the rest of it? There's a lot of stuff that goes on there to make sure that your connection with that server is kept secure. Yep. There's a lot of encryption going on, a few other bits and pieces like that. Um, now, part of that protocol... Um, as it's implemented for a lot of those servers, says um, it, it has a little thing built into it called a heartbeat. So when you are connected to a server to do a thing like that, you your computer will be saying, "Hey, you still there?" And the server will be like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. Hey, you still there? Yeah, yeah, I'm still here." But the bug that's in Heartbleed says, "Hey, are you still here? And can you also tell me 64 kilobytes worth of data from your memory?" Oh, wow! And the, and it's there's no evidence that it happens. By default, because nothing gets logged. Yep. So you can say, hey, you're still there, and um, can I have a bunch of stuff out of where you keep your passwords, please, or whatever. So, so anything that's n- in memory.
2: No record of it, of, pe- of any... There's
1: no record it. that if somebody has exploded it, of, of it having happened, so until you find somebody parading your password around on social media or whatever it is that they're going to do with it.
0: This little heartbeat actually occurs between you and the server. Is it your own computer that's... At risk here, or is it the server? It's the
1: information that's on the server. Right. Right. So, that could be...
0: If a hacker knows where to look in the memory of the server, they could potentially find out stuff. That's the deal. Mm.
1: So, um, there's actually... Now, uh, we're all fans of XKCD here, I think, at (laughs) Technogaze, which is a great little nerdy comic. And actually, explains it. It says... Um, you know, It's got like a little dialogue between a user and, and a server, and it says, are you still there? If so, reply potato, which is six letters long, and the server says potato. She asks it something else and, uh, and says, um, are you still there? If so, reply the word hat and add 500 letters to that, and out comes a whole bunch of people's passwords and things that people <laughs> want to know and all this other stuff. So if you go to xkcd.com, it actually sort of explains what's going on. Yep. So in, um, a, in a humorous way. Basically, We all yeah. love
0: XKCD, don't we? <laughs>
1: we do, but this isn't funny because, because the more. the reason – I mean, yeah, the comic's funny. The reason why this isn't funny is because pretty much anything that is interesting about what you're communicating with that server or what is stored on that server or what the server's doing at the moment hmm. um, could be easily exploited. And that's um, – it's struck a number of different things. Um, I checked a bank that I use and apparently that was susceptible, so mm. I haven't been logging into my internet banking all week. Um Yahoo Mail, which a lot of people use, that was susceptible for a while. So, you know, attackers, once they knew about it, could just sort of randomly grab up people's email addresses, people's actual emails. I think the other thing, so XKCD has covered this twice, but um, the the other thing that uh, the characters from that comic said, it could be anything. It could be traffic data, emails, passwords, or erotic fan fiction. (laughs) How... Awful. Well, you <laughs> for awful. You know, some of us are into that sort of thing. I, but I do you want everybody knowing it? <laughs> do you want everybody seeing your carefully crafted Xena fanfiction? Mm. Oh maybe you do. But there it is. So um, anything that's stored in computer memory is up for grabs.
0: Yeah. Now, we, we do have a bit more to say on Heartbleed as well, mm. um, including some of the coverage of... Um, the guy who actually introduced this particular bug—he's been found. Wow! <laughs> so, because well, it's
1: open source, right? So it's pretty easy to just say, "Well, who committed these changes?"
0: Yes. So we'll we'll um, have a we'll be back in a few moments. But um, you're listening to Technogaze here on Joy ninety-four point nine. Technogaze. Joy. That's right. This is Joy ninety-four point nine. This is Technogaze. We talk about tech. We talk about bugs in SSL. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: Yeah, so, if you've been listening, you would. Uh, we've had a quick rundown of what what it is, what Heartbleed is. You've probably mm. seen it in the um, in the mainstream media in the last couple of days because it is pretty massive. Like it's ba- it's it's in Open SSL, which is a, um, a module of software that is practically in every open source um, thing that that, uh, that uses that
2: does SSL connections so it's, yeah it's it's it's
1: kind of a big deal. Everywhere. So what what should we do?
2: Well, yeah, Well, that was going to be my question because we know that the big players like Google have obviously gone in and patched their servers, mm-hmm. but how do people know whether the site they want to access has been patched or not or whether it's been affected? Mm.
1: Sure. So, I mean, there's a couple of things at play there. So, yeah, you should check if your, if your favourite websites have been compromised. And, in fact, if they have been compromised, then it's a really great idea to change your password, even if you're not sure that anything actually happened. Because mm. the thing is, this this bug apparently was... Possibly not well known by a lot of people, although it may well have been, who knows? You just can't be sure. So, if your site, uh, if your favourite sites like your banking or whatever like that was compromised, then you should change it. But you should not change it until after you know that they fixed the bug, because what's the point of changing your password if the bug's still exploitable, mm. right?
0: So, the issue is that while it was vulnerable, while the site was vulnerable, which is potentially for the last two years, in yep. fact. Um, during that time, any time that you've connected to that site, if a hacker was looking at the server at the same time, is potentially mm-hmm. um, uh, able to to find out the the password that you use at that point in time. So, yeah.
1: and now that everybody knows, well, all the all the bad guys know that this bug is out there, mm. as well as all the good guys. Then um, now is probably not the time to be doing it until you're very very sure that it's been fixed up.
0: It's really important that they fix their servers, and that's why this is such big news, right? So mm. it's it's actually. Like so many sites out there is, are affected by it, and you 've got a lot of the big sites you know coming out and saying um, yes we 're affected by it but yes we've we 've resolved it there 's also the ability to check online. You can just yeah. go to a website which is uh, um, should I change my password dot com slash heartbleed
1: yeah now that 's got a huge um, article about what it all means, so you can do a bit more reading it 's got a link to a tool that you can use to um, to check and see if your favorite websites or not have been um Affected, um, And on that Monday that it was released, or the, the bug, sorry, was revealed, um, there was an estimation that 17% of the uh, SSL websites in the world had been affected. So yeah. that's a lot of websites to check out. Um, the other thing that's worthwhile, if you use... Um, LastPass. I personally don't, but I, I, guess, I think you guys do, don't you? Yes, yes. I do. Yep. So there's actually, if you do use LastPass, which is kind of like a password manager tool, um, what it'll do is it'll tell you whether any of your stored passwords that you keep in LastPass um, are associated with sites that are possibly shonky, and mm-hmm. it also tells you if it's time to change it.
2: Yep. So I ran that. It's There's a security check function under LastPass, and I ran that this morning, and it went through all of my stored websites, and it came back and said, yes, which ones are affected by Heartbleed, which ones aren't, mm-hmm. which is good. And the other good thing that it did do is it said do you want to go and check for whether your email address has been um, exposed as part of some of the vulnerabilities okay and this is the first time i did this and i said yes and it came back and said that i was affected by one of the adobe releases ah so this is a this is not related
0: necessarily to no, heart bleed, but a it's actually a, a way to check whether you've been compromised in other ways or potentially potentially your information has yes. been
2: been released so what this tells me is that i should go and change my Adobe password, yeah. which I will do, and luckily because I'm using LastPass, it is a unique password that's only used for that site. So even if it is even if that is compromised, then I'll be safe elsewhere.
0: We should uh, LastPass. We've talked about it before. It's actually a, a password management tool, so it's a way to to keep store your passwords in a secure manner. Um, so if you want to go down that path, it's it's a way to, to it's a tool that you can use, which has some extra features like. Looking for vulnerabilities as well. That's which right. Is pretty,
2: pretty nifty. And I think we should say we we will put up on the Facebook page the link to that. Should I change my password URL so that people can use that to check to see whether um, their favourite site has been affected by Heartbleed Lead or not, mm-hmm. and what the current status is?
0: Now I'm just going to cover off because it's um, some interesting news came out this morning. Ben Grubb, um, who's um, one of my favourite uh, writers at uh, Fairfax, he. Um, he's written up a he's done a good write-up of the whole issue and what it's all about he, part of that was actually the the discovery of the person who introduced this bug in the first place now it's open source software that we're talking about here so it's actually stuff that's been committed under a person's name and it was it was just literally like a couple lines of code that caused this bug right so it's not nothing major from a software developer's point of view it's quite an easy thing to do you just forget to do that little check or, or whatever or you perhaps were in a rush when you did that part of the software. Um, they're supposed to have uh, a review process around this but that review process occurred and it... It wasn't picked up. It wasn't picked up. The, the vulnerability wasn't picked up. So a guy by... Uh, actually, it, it originated from a guy called... Um, he's actually a doctor. Dr. Robin Sigelman uh, of Münster in Germany. Um, said that the bug, uh, he actually was the one who, who introduced bug, and it uh, was unfortunately missed. I'm using my air quotes there as he was writing the code, and a reviewer missed it when it was introduced into the open source uh, software. So, um, the reviewer, Dr. Uh, where, I forgot that there, Dr. Stephen Henson, apparently, all the software developers there are doctors. Um,
2: <laughs> I won't make any comment. <laughs>
0: Uh, so uh, yeah, that, that's it's interesting to know that they because it is open source software. We're actually able to delve into who committed the the bug in the first place. A lot of questions coming about now. You know, was it on purpose? Was it not? All that sort of thing. I suspect it wasn't. It's the kind of thing that. Um, you know, software developers can easily forget to do.
2: There's a flip side to open source. You know, on on the good side is that you can get peer review and you can get people looking through the code and actually finding bugs like this long yeah. after they've been there, which you wouldn't have if it was closed source. But, of course, the flip side of it is that it means anybody can read it and if somebody reads it and wants to do something bad, they can take advantage of it without telling anybody.
1: Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the really um, Yeah, there's that whole aphorism of, you know, with with many eyes all bugs are shallow, which is, is kind of a thing. It, it's... I think it's, it's sometimes it's, it sort of ignores the fact that a lot of projects don't always have a great number of people looking at things. Now, you'd think that OpenSSL would be really exciting stuff to work on if you're a bit of a nerd, but in actuality security is a very sort of esoteric um, sort of thing to, to think about, and maybe there weren't that many people looking at it after all. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's sort of that reliance on the idea that there'll be, you know, bazillions of developers everywhere, but if it's really obscure, are they really...
0: Yeah, and it's the kind of thing that if if one if one developer is looking at it, and another developer actually um, wrote it. You know, it's mm, typically the same the same kind of mindset uh, those two people that are in, and therefore you might not actually pick up those kinds of thing things anyway. It's like it's not until it rigor- is rigorously tested by security experts that you can actually. Figure. And you'd hope that the people that are working on open on open SSL security experts, but...
1: Oh, I'm sure that you know, they are, on a, on a, yeah, I mean, we, we all make mistakes because we're human beings.
0: Yeah, right? on a line-by-line line basis in code, that's, that's very hard to, to be an expert <laughs>
2: at that level. It would be interesting to see if there's any metric about the number of bugs found in open source code versus the number of bugs found in closed source code, because you know, recently Apple had this issue with SSL on their browser, mm-hmm. which had been around for, you know, I don't know how long. Yes. And I know that other browsers have, have had that problem, so yeah, it would be interesting to see what the comparison is like and whether there is any um, better quality with open source software, or whether it's just as good or just as bad as any other piece of see, software. See,
1: that's, that's the thing. Like, open source software doesn't just mean. Oh, do people look at it? Right. It, it only means about the license. Right. I, I, it doesn't matter if you have an open source product that, um, sorry, open source project that has only you know two or three people working on it. it it's not inherently better mm-hmm. than a commercial product that has a hundred thousand you know bug reports about it and stuff and years and years of experience of course yeah. it's not so it's, it's kind of a false metric
2: but theoretically you have the potential for people to, to crawl through the code and have a look at it and examine it and, and try to find issues with it mm. I, Yeah, there's always a fallback oh,
0: if it's open source I personally can go in if I really care about the software that much I can go through each line of code and become an expert at SSL and figure out if any <laughs> anything in there is actually going to yep. be exploitable It's 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 a very hard thing to do. Mm. Um, but at least the, the source code is open and they're able to
2: pinpoint where, right. the, um, where the problem occurred. Yeah. And, of course, if you, uh, if you have been using the site that's affected, you should change your password once they fix it.
1: That's exactly right. Just a reminder. <laughs> we've, had, we've had a couple more suggestions from Listener Texas. Um, <laughs> team Nerd Power, The Geeky Three...
0: Mm. Or, the the or third one there, we can't is is, re- is
1: team brand name of a popular computer that a lot of us like of, to use? Of
2: a fruit, yeah, we do all of have a fruit one fruit nature. With us. <laughs> <laughs> <But> Excuse me. <laughs> Mine. Oh, actually, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Yes.
0: So, thank you for your suggestions. We're asking for suggestions on what we should call ourselves. Uh, we have a cute little um, avatar up on our iTunes feed, which uh, depicts us three in a yeah in a cutesy kind of way. Uh, maybe nice, you could use Nice that
1: plug a for our iTunes feed there. That's right. <laughs> you can listen to us on a podcast anytime you want.
0: Joy.org.au slash technogaze. Of course, if you are listening to us on the podcast right now, then um, thank you.
1: <laughs> thank you indeed. <laughs> Technogaze.
0: This is Technogaze here on Joy 94.9, where we mm. cover technology, gadgets, consumer electronics and the odd bit of la- labour law as well.
1: <laughs> A bit? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs>
0: now, Mozilla. Yes. Uh, it's also been in the news this uh, past few uh, weeks as well. There's some um, uh, the CEO that was recently promoted um, for Mozilla now, Mozilla of course is a company that creates the very very famous Firefox.
1: Yes, and behind browser. them is a non profit foundation mm. as well. So that, and they've been going for ages and ages and ages. Yep, yeah.
0: they they make money through um, through advertisements. Oh, sorry, through um, mainly Google revenue, I believe. Like they because when every time you type in a search into your Firefox browser and get sent to a Google search results page, Google give. Mozilla money, Hmm. Uh, and that funds all the work that they do to create the um, the software. And uh, it's uh, as uh, you pointed out, Rayner, it is a non profit foundation, but it is a foundation nonetheless. And they have a CEO, and the CEO was recently outed, I guess you could say, for
1: ousted. I think might be the better word in this particular story.
0: I I wouldn't want to play on the word too much, but um, he was a prop eight. Supporter.
1: That's right. So Brendan Eke Ike.
0: Ike, I think Eke or, is his name.
1: Mm. Um Eek. Um <laughs> Ike. Ike, there you go. So um, he, he's actually he's kind of a big deal. He's the inventor of JavaScript. Oh really? A very big deal. And wow. he was the CTO of Mozilla for a good long while. hmm And he was recently elevated to the position of CEO. Mm-hmm and it was not not just recently and it happened a little while ago that it did it did appear that um because in in California if you donate over a certain amount of money to a campaign you have to be put on a public register and that's that's there for i guess for good reasons so that you know you can see
2: Follow the money, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, And somebody checked that out, and they said, "Wow, here's a guy that donated to Proposition 8. And um, actually, Michael, you were in our production of Eight the Play, weren't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so which we which we had just recently. And um, and if you were listening to that, or if you've been following the news about Proposition Eight, as I'm sure many of us were, you'd know that there was quite a lot of you know awful advertising going on around it trying to convince ordinary californians that they shouldn't that they should vote actually to take away
2: and that was the amazing thing out of the play was yeah. that when the proposition prop 8 supporters were trying to bring witnesses there mm-hmm. they had a very difficult time bringing somebody to the court who could actually testify about certain things because there was a whole lot of malicious gossip and rumor that they were pushing out in the in the media Mm. That's right. Which didn't need any sort of verification. But to get somebody of competence to the jury, they you know they weren't able to do that. That's
1: right, because the blanket sort of, you know... Okay, it's, it was pretty horrible, basically. And, I mean, a lot of people who'd lived there, you know, at the time have said how awful it was to hear on the TV and radio and stuff every day that you are a less worthy human being. Mm. and Which is basically, you know, I guess what a lot of people are upset about. Anyway, so here's this fellow... Brendan yeah. Ike,
0: Ike, Ike. I'm and so sorry. He was the chief technology uh, officer right. of Mozilla before he got promoted as CEO.
1: Yep. So he'd been in that role for a while.
0: For a while, um, you know, defining certain, you know, that, I guess the technology
1: strategy
2: mm-hmm. of Mozilla and how they, and apparently doing things. so very well. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that of his donation to Prop 8 was made uh, was discovered around about 2012. And yes. there's a little bit of noise about it at the time.
1: There was, but yeah. when he was when he was elevated to this role of CEO, uh, there was quite a lot. More more
0: noise interesting isn't it that um, a lot of noise ceo actually means so much more to um, you know to create this hoo ha well that's like.
1: the thing like the if if you're if you're the cto right your your technology decisions the buck stops with the cto mm. right or it should um
0: CEO, on the other hand, has is a lot
1: more responsibility. So I think what a lot of people were getting angry about, um, and a lot of the noise, and there was a lot of noise so on social media. There were people baying for blood, almost, you know, because you know how social media can get. There's a lot of people that get very angry. You've only got 140 characters on, say, Twitter, for example, yep. to say something. So maybe your, your words are not always as considered as they could be. <laughs> um, and there was there was quite a lot of kerfuffle anyway. After a lot of um, uh, thunderclouds around that, um, he did end up stepping down Yes, now he did, he so down. He, not only did he step down but he left the foundation that mm. he helped found for, wow. good, okay. for good so well maybe he'll come back but at the moment he's just like nah I'm gone
0: so the question comes to mind and I don't want to be considered a supporter of Prop 8 by saying this but I just do want to sort of raise the other side the flip side of this coin is that you know is it right and I'd, I personally think from a moral point of view a company that um, is, considers itself open and considers itself part—you mm. know—it's it, defi- it's defined by openness, right? Yep. and that should not just apply. I mean, it's not it's,
1: not just even openness, but freedom. Yes, that right. is that is the big F word mm. in the Mozilla Foundation's mission, and everything else that it works for is freedom.
0: Yep. So, someone who is such a, in such a high position, in fact, runs a company essentially yep. um, uh, that is about freedom is it right for his own personal um, uh, money donations to be made public in this way and to be sort of, you know, used Mm. against him, I guess?
1: Look, in terms of his donations being made public, he's like any other citizen of California Mm. in that regard. So whether it's right or not, um, it's not like he's being singled out. No. But his position as CEO obviously makes him a little bit more...
0: I guess it's an interesting thing. It's like a perception thing as well, isn't it? It So, um, you know, what do I think of Mozilla? How do I use, you know,
2: will I use Firefox if I know about this? I've been in two minds about this as well, because part of me says that, you know, how does that affect his ability to lead the organisation from producing what it's meant to be producing, which is open source software, and Mm. and providing something of value to the tech community. But the other part of me says, well, I don't agree with his views, and I don't think you know, and that would impact me in terms of how I move forward, perhaps with choosing uh, Mozilla products over other products, sure, and the way they 've resolved it is that if the CEO of a large organisation, let's say Telstra, has a certain view that I really object to, then you know what? I'm going to be influenced not to use their products. Mm. And, mm. and it's just the same as this. And if you've got enough people out there bleating about it, then the board is going to make do something or the individual will turn around, like in this case, and said, look, I can't effectively lead the company. I'm going to leave. Mm.
1: Sure. I get what you're saying, certainly about views and stuff as well. It's, it's hard to, and I mean, I'm a... In, in my non-radio life, also a bit of a labour activist, so I'm involved in trade unions and stuff. And I mean, we get quite angry when we hear that people who's, um, you know, people are being excluded from things at work or excluded from opportunities because of views or whatever. I, I personally think that for Brendan Ike to have that view, if he keeps it to, you know, keeps it compartmentalised like that, that's fine. But somebody who donates money and a significant amount of money, like $1,000 is not 2 in the in the rattle tin at, at you know the corner mm. someone who actually does that with the full knowledge that it would be used for a campaign to he may not have known how awful those things were going to be but that's what happened mm. to donate money to something that says i think that certain people should have less civil rights mm. what does that say about his attitude towards his employees to whom he is responsible because yep. that's the thing it's not just about
0: i think that and that's the connection that needs to be made it's it's is it is it going to affect my use of the products? Is he going to make decisions that um, are perhaps uh, influenced by his own personal views or that sort of thing? And it, it's a grey area because yeah. you don't really know what goes on in the you know in
1: Well, the no, organization. You, you don't know. But the thing is when he was asked, he mm. said, oh, yeah, I'm committed to this and I'm committed to that. But not one time did he suggest that he was sorry? And you know what? If he, if he firmly believes and he sticks to his guns and he wants to be honest, that's fine. He doesn't have to say that he's sorry. Mm. But there was nothing in his behaviour that indicated that he, was, that he would be a fair person. Yeah. And it, th- that's what a lot of people were saying. And again, I, I don't work there and um, what, what I know, but wow, you mm. know, it's, you can see why a lot of people would be concerned about that.
0: Now, I'm going to try and make the link here very quickly to mm-hmm. um, to Australia's government... Um, there's been some talk about a certain, uh, Facebook and Twitter user having been pulled up on, by, over Twitter, mind you, by an Australian government department, I think the Department of, uh, Immigration.
1: She's one of our sisters in community radio, that uh, person. Yeah, yes. Does some stuff on 2ACR, I think. Yes.
0: Hmm. Um... And so, what what actually happened? She apparently posted something on her Facebook profile, on her Facebook feed, on a wall.
1: It was uncomplimentary to the government.
0: Yes. Gasp. Um, I think it was a picture, in fact. And as a result, the um uh, apparently it was also public, so it wasn't just a private f- uh, post within her friends. It was actually something that could be seen publicly. Um, but the Australian government, uh, the the immigration department tweeted her and said we have um come it's come to our attention that something of a bad nature is up on your facebook um feed please remove it or we will consider this, our yeah. options
1: yeah um, so
0: big brother this is the other side of it it right? was, it was so, border
1: protection by the way it's not like yeah. you know the department of fluffy bunnies these days. <laughs> can we have a department of fluffy bunnies um so he said that to her. The, the other thing that also came out around that sort of thing is that there is a policy in in government departments, and this is actually... It, it isn't new, but mm. it's the, the rhetoric around it certainly is, um, that you should not say things as a, as a member of the public service that, that could affect... Um, the perception of your impartiality mm. as a government employee because mm. I mean if you're the prime Minister of Australia you want to know that the people who advise you are fair and unbalanced and if they're on Facebook every day posting what a big duty head you are then <laughs> you know that's not going to be good
2: so that effectively says that nobody in the public service can make any comment either positive or negative
1: publicly publicly or all that it's I mean so are so you
2: are you are you basically saying to public servants you're not allowed to have a Twitter feed? You're not a functioning citizen if of you democracy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, I, I don't know. I don't it, it, I think, I don't it's think, it's think that's not really what they're saying. But, yeah, you just have to watch what you say. And the thing the thing that, be, that I think got really grubby around it this week is, you know, oh, if you happen to know that one of your mates is on Facebook posting uncomplimentary things about um, the Prime Minister... Dobbing a mate. Dobbing a mate. Wow. Mm. I don't like the word un-Australian, but dobbing is a bit... Un-Australian? It I don't is. know. It's, Actually, that's true, isn't it? It's it's something, something it's our, that our is... Our
2: convicts
0: past, perhaps. Or...
1: Maybe not snitching <laughs> on our fellow. Well,
2: well I, I think the word dobbing itself is an Australianism, isn't it? It is. So, therefore, it would be an un-Australian act by default.
1: As, as I learned in prep, dobbers wear nappies, <laughs> as the saying goes. No, but it's... it's. I mean, if you're not... Especially if you're under an assumed name, mm. right? And I'll, I'll cop to this as well... Like, Some years ago, when I was a public servant of the the state of Tasmania, I had a blog, and it had... I never posted anything about the Tasmanian government, or if I did, it was very sort of light on, but... Wow. Having,
0: having also had an uh, experience in government, you, you do want to be careful about it. It's almost like there's a professional line to draw. If it's yep. something about your immediate work, as in mm-hmm. s- something that could be related to very quickly to what you do on a day to day basis, yep. that's when your opinion perhaps is more a professional opinion than, yep. a, than an actual, um, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, Civil rights opinion and or whatever
1: yeah, and there's risks around that that aren't just about you know oh did you say something you've been about Tony or whatever like that, there's also you know if you are an employee of say Centrelink and you make a opinion mm. about a particular policy or whatever that Centrelink does because that's what you do at work or something like that, yep. what if people are construing that as official advice from you know your position and stuff like that? so that's why this policy is in there, mm. um, but yeah it is I mean we actually just got a text that uh, from somebody who didn't give their name that's really creepy thought police isn't freedom. True. It is, that's right.
0: It starts to make you think, are we you know, heading to a um, thought police state?
1: Mm. Maybe.
0: Hopefully not. Hopefully we are uh, maintained our our rights to freedom of expression in all ways. And hopefully Joy can provide that to you as we um, continue doing so every single day. This is Technogaze here on Joy 94.9. Technogaze.
2: All day every day joy 94 point nine on air and online at joy.org.au. au techno guys
0: here on joy 94 point nine we are on air and online all the time you can uh, check out our um, our feed on uh, joy.org.au. slash listen live if you've uh, if you're not near a radio then you can uh, check you can out always be with us feed. yes now let's um, lighten
1: the mood a bit I think it's.
0: (laughs) it'd be nice to, yeah, move away from all the politics for just a little bit.
1: Let's talk about something rad.
0: (laughs) Yes. Now, uh, Microsoft um, have made some news. Finally, they've released the new update for Windows 8.
1: Yes. I installed it this week. Did you? I did. And in fact, if you are running Windows 8.1, you should install that update as well, because if you don't do so within a month, you will stop getting patches.
0: Right. Well, they're wow.
1: not stuffing around this time.
0: They're really cutting the, you know, cut, like they're,
2: they're putting the foot down, aren't they, with they the, really the updates? Are. are they going to then shut down the old version? You know, if, if you don't upgrade, it, it will just shut itself down.
1: I, I <laughs> think that would be horrible if they did.
0: Perhaps display a handy little message saying, hey, this is not, no longer going to get support. Like, like we did X- all
1: over our clocks <laughs> <laughs> in the studio um, I don't I don't know if it'll it'll show a message I'm, I'm sure that it will but that's the idea so if you don't apply this update which has quite a lot of interesting things in it then you won't get patches anymore if you're running Windows 8 if you're running Windows 7 don't worry there's um, different patches for you mm. the um, the update though is pretty cool in that um, a lot of the things that people don't like about Windows 8 or haven't liked about Windows 8 they've been sort of incrementally improving so uh, the original Windows 8 for example was all very touch screeny and stuff like that mm. which is not much fun for me on my big gaming PC where I don't have a touch screen but I do have a lovely keyboard and mouse
0: yeah mice are using a touch screen sort of oriented thing is just really hard
1: it feels it's yeah it's uncut like it's it's just it's a bit tone deaf i Mm. think so it got a little bit better um Mm. in terms of uh how that was being used and with the update it got even better still the um so for example there's the metro interface which i think is called the modern interface really but everyone's been calling it metro because they like their code names Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks kind of like what you get on the Xbox 360 and stuff and the Xbox One, and it looks really funky. And yep. now that just gets out of your way. And it's more like a clever start menu, a big clever start menu, but yep. it's it's right there. So, a so mega start yeah, menu. It's like, yeah. like if you Windows have, 7, is it? Well, it goes straight to the desktop, just like regular old Windows. Oh, my hmm. goodness. Remember that. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, there's a few other improvements around performance and stuff as well. So it's definitely worthwhile updating, but not least because of that patch thing.
0: Hmm. And one feature that's uh, rated mention is um, uh, something that emulates Google Now and Apple's Siri um, they've they're launching Cortana or Cortana. Cortana. Sorry, Cortana.
1: Now, if you are a gaming fan, then you will recognise the name Cortana as the name of the AI that helps you out in Halo.
0: All oh, right. She's oh. a very
1: major character, and now she's back in your phone.
0: She's right there in your phone. Um, and she's it,
1: apparently amazing. Have not tried it?
0: I I would like to find out if anyone has managed to get the the latest update for the Windows Phone software. Um, and you have got the ability to use Cortana. Mm. What's it like? Does it does it do the job? Does it respond to you? Does it take your text message well or is it um is it all garbled? Um but yeah, I think that's interesting they've 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 brought their phone software up to um some of the sort of the 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 key features of the other
1: yeah. um, phone operating they're systems. They've given it a red hot go, which is, you know, interesting because their um, market share is not great.
2: I um, think they've taken it a step further than what Apple and Google have done because they've also got integration to third-party apps yep. with this. Yep. So they yep. can integrate with fa- with Facebook, for instance. Yes. And, yeah, yes, it's, it's – um, so
0: Siri, for example, you can – any text box you can actually use Siri mm. to – to read into, but you have to be interactive with it. You have to... You have um, to also
1: be connected to the internet. Yeah. Um, now, Cortana, I don't think, is available for regular schmoes like you and me who might right. be using Windows Phone yet, but it was announced at their Build Developer Conference. Ah, right. So, it's probably not very far away, but if you're a developer, mm. um, you may well be able to do that. So, the Windows Phone 8.1, as opposed to Windows Desktop 8.1, yep. which is not confusing at all. Um... That'll, that will that update will be happening uh, in the next couple of months, so you can all test it out. But if you're a developer, I mean, we'd love to hear from you anyway. We love talking to developers. So. We do. But especially if you know something about Windows Phone. Mm -hmm. Love it.
0: Now, Apple. uh, Rumours are plenty. Rumours, they well, not just rumours. There's also um, some pricing um, issues, of course, that have come up recently as well. But um, shall we start off with rumours first? Yes.
1: iPhones come out every year. Yes. um, Without fail at the moment. And the next one, because we've got the iPhone 5S at the moment, Mm -hmm. the next one everyone's pretty sure it's going to be the iPhone 6 if it follows the same sort of pattern.
0: (laughs) What of incrementing a number?
1: <laughs> I, that's right. Well five, five S, um, et Yep. Um <laughs> wow, we got, a, we got a text message just now. Sorry to interrupt the Apple love, but we've got some Apple love here. A text from somebody pretending to be Siri, or perhaps it really Maybe is. Maybe it Who was knows? actually
0: taken, like this was dictated into the phone. Um,
1: Cortana is my lesbian lover. I love Siri.
0: Well, actually, I suspect it is, it is um, uh, dictated into, because it actually says Cortona, not Cortana. <laughs> it could be. So... <laughs> Um, um, thank you for that one. Um, anonymous it, messenger. Oh, and before... And another one. We were talking about... Um, uh, government. Government. Um, and social media. Social media. And Dave has messaged in saying um, he's a contractor and he's always really careful what he writes on Twitter. About government policy. policy mm. It could easily impact the type of work I get.
1: Yeah, which is a good thing for covering your own butt, I reckon. Mm. Um, honestly, I yeah.
0: Mm. I We got another cryptic... Um, message: I want a GLaidos, Glados. Glados you know, series. I don't know that reference.
1: Ah, so if you have ever played Portal, um, right. then the antagonist is a terrifying, terrifying AI named Glados, who would really like you to do some fun science experiments. <laughs> she also <laughs> promises cake. Oh, oh, I like cake. But the cake mm-hmm. is a lie. Oh no! Apparently, oh. so there's no cake. <laughs> Spoiler alert, there could be.
0: Mm. Um, Should we get back to iPhone, though? Um, yes, yeah, so, so the rumours about
1: the iPhone 6. Um, rumours, of course, that it will be called the iPhone 6, as distinct from, say, the S or the C or whatever it is that we've got. Um, also, rumours that there will be two uh, new screen sizes available, 4.7 inches and 5.5 inches. That's
2: massive. It is
1: massive and, and about the same size as screens were when people from Apple were kind of mocking Samsung and other things going, but that's too big to use as a phone. How's your phablet, guys? Like, <laughs> That's actually approaching tablet so, size, I reckon.
0: The current size of a uh, of an iPhone 5 display is around 4 inches, so that's it's right. an extra 0.7 of an inch at least, if not more.
1: Not um, that we're counting. No, no. Um, although 5.5 is an impressive change.
0: Yes. Um, um, I think that's pretty much it from the rumours front,
1: isn't uh, it? it? There's one more report going on that Apple has started to buy or started to think about buying a Japanese manufacturer of... Um, some microchips. microchips that it uses in its screens, right. so that will kind of you know lock down that supply chain and give them a bit more control over it as well. Because we know that you know, I mean, everyone has this, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, let's release a new phone. Oh, we've got a bajillion new phones, and two bajillion people want them. So some of you are just going to have to wait, and that's always a bit disappointing. So I guess this will really help.
0: Now, also on Apple. Um, the exchange rate here oh. in, in Australia has been um, sort of an, on a bit of a roller coaster lately. Yes, and um, mostly on the down. Although just this week it's been a bit more up. But um, having said that, it's been going down below the the US um, dollar parity. Quite a lot. In and catch. Apple have responded. They they some years back. Um, put their prices down here in Australia. Yeah,
1: mostly to match parity, because it is completely unfair, I think, to mm. overcharge us just because the exchange rate might or might not be a little bit closer than that.
2: So when the dollar was at parity, with prices of music in Australia the same as in the US?
1: Pretty much, yeah. pretty close. Um, and now now that the dollar is, it has ducked a little bit, although it, like, like Mark said, it's kind of bouncing back, but uh, they've put the pricing back to... Um, Back to some Back slightly to the more
0: exorbitant Australia premium rates that seem to be in effect. Yeah, and
1: depending on how much you're spending, and it's not just music but also apps and things like that, um, depending on how much you're spending, you may be um, in for a bit of a shock. So, for example, the cost of an application that I bought uh, recently, which was $99. Mm. has just gone up to 130 Wow, that's <gasps> quite big. That's, yeah. that's, that's a large jump. That's more than jump. the exchange rate. That's a little bit cheeky. Um, I guess the cost of shipping bits to Australia has gone up as well. Oh,
2: I guess, yeah. Yeah, you know well, how it f- is. For, for, so all bits pigeons, across the internet. All those besides.
1: pigeons with those, all those little drones.
2: If they offered the uh, Apple Store in Bitcoin, you wouldn't have any of this rubbish. No, because the price
1: of Bitcoin never fluctuates.
2: No, but at least you're paying in. You've got standard Bitcoins. You take on the the risk that way. Mark's rolling his eyes. All I'm hearing
0: is a a reel of fishing line just going out to get certain people's (laughs) back (laughs) up about Bitcoin. um, Yes. Anyway, shall we? um, We are getting close to the end of the show. Unfortunately, we are running out of time. But uh, we will have a little bit more to talk about. What's What's um, the last one that we're going to mention? Oh, There's some droning. Things. Drones that um, <laughs> dropped on people. <laughs> drones from heaven. <laughs> you're listening to Technogaze on Joy 94.9. Technogaze. Technogaze here on Joy 94.9 and we're running out of time but we do have a um, a nice, well... A
1: spot of drone news for <laughs> you drone fans.
0: We do like drones here <laughs> on Technogaze. I've, I've got one myself and have had a little bit of a play with it. I get a bit worried about it when it goes a bit um, further than maybe 10 metres away from me, but mm. that's the way it goes. Um, now,
1: news, news about, and not the, the crash that you're thinking of maybe, but uh, mm. a little certain air crash investigation going on in Western Australia of a different kind then, <laughs> not, with a drone.
0: No, just a drone, not not a massive um, 777. Now the CASA have put their investigation hat on again to look into um, a drone that so was filming a triathlon in Geraldton in Western Australia, the, the drone was flying above athletes participating in the event around 9am last Sunday, um, where it reportedly dropped 10 metres and hit an athlete. Oops! Yeah, now, Raja Ogden, I think is the name of the af- athlete, she, um, she ran towards, uh, as she was running towards the finishing line, had this thing just drop on her head. Now, the owner of the drone was found, and after looking at the footage, um, has said that the video clearly shows that the drone uh, dropped behind the runner. Mm. and added that this would be consistent with the injuries sustained by the runner. So it
1: doesn't seem like safe use of a drone to me, does it? So did it hit her then? Yeah, it struck her. It did it struck her, from yeah. From
0: behind, okay. Now, CASA actually say that there are clear rules um, around the operation of unmanned aircraft, including the requirement to operate the drones no less than 30 metres from people at all times. I guess it's a good indication as to why that rule exists.
1: Mm. And what what could have caused it?
0: Uh, oh, yes, so the um, the owner reckons that the um, the drop occurred because someone nearby channel hopped onto the uh, frequency being used for control of the aircraft. And, of course, that's sort of the idea of um, someone overriding your own signal with with their signal. Right. Um, on the, on the so, like a driver.
1: mobile phone or something, maybe?
0: Yeah, that's what they reckon, but um, I guess it could be whatever's in use. So, some, some work with Wi-Fi... Um, um, mm. So if you somehow intercepted the Wi-Fi um, signal, that yes. might That's work. Right. So does it mean the operator's at fault?
1: Well, it well, might not be. I mean,
0: <laughs> I suspect Cass's point about um, having to, to operate the drone 30 metres or more away from people at all times. So in case there's
2: a dropout, then you, there's yeah. not going to be a chance of hitting someone. Good Good reason. Reason.
1: According to the report for the ABC, the fella that owns the drone reckons that it may have been quarter but he also points out um, uh, sorry a, a spokesman from CASA points out rather that um, a lot of the sort of drones that you just go and buy from an electronics shop um, are a lot more basic they don't have a lot more protection over that and maybe a commercial drone wouldn't have that problem right mm. it's a bit worrying
0: that's all we have time for today if you missed any part of the show or perhaps you're looking to peruse previous episodes you can do so by browsing to joy.org.au slash technogaze coming up next is a joy news bulletin with Shannon Gillies and followed, following that is cravings with the nudie foodie Pete Dillon. Um, that's pretty much the end of the show. Thank you for joining me today, Rayna. No,
1: thank you. It's been a pleasure as always.
0: And thank you, Michael, as well. Thank you very much for for joining us today and pressing buttons. Thank you. Um, we'll have a good weekend, and we'll catch you next week.